If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, let me tell you a couple things. It's free. It's probably the best part. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So it's handy right at your fingertips. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple, Spotify, or really anywhere you can listen to your podcast. You make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you really need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead today and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's the Anchor app at anchor.fm. First of all, hallelujah. You have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Red Herring Podcast. This is episode one, the first one. Oh my God, man, I'm so excited. It's been a long time coming. It's a dream come true. So I want to thank you for taking your time to listen in and join me and help making this dream a reality. Um, It's a really big deal for me. I'm a guy who really loves being creative. I love writing stories. I love writing scripts. I love filming. I love taking pictures. Um, So I love doing stuff like this. This is awesome. Um, Anyone who really knows me in my day-to-day life knows that I've really been striving to do something like this for a for a very long time so shout out to them shout out to the support system uh, for anybody out there striving to do anything in life i'll tell you you need three things you need faith you need a support system and you need to have self-motivation because at the end of the day if you don't have those things if you don't have the faith that it can be done if you're not self-motivated and if you don't have a support system it's all going to come crashing down so shout out to each and every one of you you know your role you know who you are so today on this podcast, it'll be something simple. It's my first episode. This is the one that determines how long I can do this. It determines if you're still listening, determines if you're going to subscribe, determines if you're going to reach out to me. So I have to put my best foot forward. So today we'll talk about a couple different things. Um, I want to talk about um, black excellence that I see in the movie industry rising up. And uh, there might be some sports talk. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan through and through, bleed green, even though I live in Florida. It's crazy. Um, so I might just dabble in that a little bit. So there's a little bit of uh, everything for, you know, the average listener. Um, so thank you again for joining me, going on this walk with me, listening to my smooth bearded voice, even though my voice isn't bearded, but you know where I'm coming from. Um, so speaking of black excellence in film, I'm a guy who grew up loving movies. Um, not very social guy, um, through and through. I just like to be home, chilling, relaxing, you know, watching some Netflix, Disney plus just being in my own. I don't like going out. I don't like large crowds. So as a kid, um, it all came from, uh, here's a little little backstory to my life. When I was three years old, we went to uh, Disney World. My mom took me and my, my grandfather took me to Disney World. Three years old, maybe four years old. And um, while we were in line for one of the attractions, I believe it was like, it's a small world, something like that. This lady had grabbed me, snatched me up, boom, took off. Trying to go through the crowd, trying to serpentine her way and get away with me. Um, And my granddad, who was much younger at the time, of course, was able to catch up to this lady, grab my arm and pull me from her. Um, I don't know what happened to the lady. I don't know if charges were filed, but I just remember being snatched up and almost kidnapped. That right there left something in my mind, in my head that I don't do well with crowds. And even now, I'm a big 300 pound man. I'm I'm a man. I'm a man. Like, and I still have that thought that, man, you know, these crowds aren't too safe. So that has instilled something in my head that I just rather be home. I don't like being the center of attention out in public. I just like to chill out. So that fueled me to have a love for film, a love for movies. I love seeing how directors can make 
a dream from a storyboard become a reality. I just, I love seeing it. But growing up, you know, there was a lot of, there was black actors growing up, of course, you know, shout out to Will and Jamie Foxx, Denzel, um, but it wasn't a big industry for black creators. There wasn't a lot of black directors, not a lot of black producers. There wasn't a lot of openly black productions. There was a lot of watered down black productions. Um, anyone who knows me personally knows that I'm not a big fan of BET. Uh, BET is a, it's a white owned industry. And I firmly believe if you're going to tell black stories, if you're going to tell um, uh, about a movie or an incident through black lives and black eyes, then it should be told and controlled by black people. Um, you know, that's just to me, it's common sense. How can you explain something to me that you yourself have never been? How can you explain and tell me to go somewhere where you yourself have never been? Um, so now in today's society and time, I'm seeing a lot of the up and coming um, black actors, black actresses who are branching out and doing more roles. And I see there's a, a high demand for more darker skinned actresses and I'm for it. You know, I'm, I'm a light skinned gentleman myself. And, you know, I, I I'm glad there's representation of any kind. But I do believe that, you know, dark skinned women should be represented more as well. Um, so we're getting there, but we're not completely there yet. So. I look at the likes of Jordan Peele, who has taken the Twilight Zone, that as I was growing up, I didn't know too many people who watched the Twilight Zone. It just wasn't something that I knew. You know, I knew, you know, white people watched it. You know, my white family members watched it. But I didn't know too many black people who dabbled in watching the Twilight Zone. Um, now, if you don't know, in CBS streaming, there is a new version of the Twilight Zone, all ran and directed and produced and all that by Jordan Peele which is beautiful because it's taking something that is a household name that is in a, well, an American household name and you're getting black storytellers to tell it, black producers to you know show their, their art. Um, Jordan Peele has set off this new wave of basically a psychedelic horror genre that I'm digging. You know, it started with, of course, Get Out and then Us and then he's got Candyman coming and there's a new show on HBO with him and J.J. Abrams coming and it's just, it's beautiful to see like, this guy was a comedian, you know, he's a black comedian and all of a sudden he's one of the best directors and producers in this industry. I, I love it. I love the energy. I love the direction. And there's something that um, one day, one day I was reading on Jordan Peele and he said, you know, he'll never cast a white person in the lead of a film because he's seen that movie. And, you know, Jordan Peele isn't racist at all. And I know, you know, pro-white people are like, well, that's yeah, racist. No, it's, it's not. Jordan Peele's wife is white. Um, and he has nothing against the white culture. It's just black culture hasn't got enough shine. So in his movies, he's casting black leads, giving black actresses and black actors platforms to showcase their talent. You know, in Us, uh, it's, you know, the, it starred Lupita Nyong'o. And, it, you know, it was, it was beautiful because what other film really would she have got to be the lead you know she's been in 12 years of slave she's been in black panther she's been in star wars but as a voice actress basically so these big industries haven't really put the spotlight on her to be a lead but here comes jordan peele and making her the lead of an entire film um and just the the message behind his films is inspiring so it shows me you know it's possible you know ryan coogler you know he's a the director of black panther for those who don't know um, his first film was Fruitvale Station, and for those who don't know the story of Fruitvale Station, it's it's a tragedy. It's a true story about a black man who was, of course, murdered by police. Um, and watching that film, you know, all those years ago when it first came out, it was his first big film. And you watch it, and you know that hey, this guy's onto something. It's a beautiful story to tell um, with a horrible ending. And knowing it's a true story, it's like it's emotional. It's gripping. 
Ryan Cougar goes on to direct Creed. And you think about it, you're like, wow, this guy, I think he was 25 at the time. He's young, black, you know, Creed's a big franchise. You're, it's a Rocky spinoff. In my mind, I'm thinking maybe they're setting this guy up to fail. But Creed comes out and it's spectacular. Looking at just how it's filmed, the cinematography in Creed alone, the long running shots, you know, the, the, the so few cuts, it, it's such a beautifully executed film. Ryan Coogler's third big production film happens to be Black Panther, which grosses a billion at the box office, which just shows that, man, like that's amazing. They could have gotten anyone to film Creed. They could have gotten anyone to film Black Panther. Even though I don't think Black Panther is a top five Marvel movie, I think the message is beautiful because it shows black people in a role of royalty. I got an, in an argument one day. Well, we'll say a spirited debate with a supervisor at one of my old jobs who said that, you know, the reason that, you know, and she, of course, was not black, so I don't even know why she even based her and had an opinion on this topic, but her opinion and her, I guess her argument was that the reason black people are depicted as gangsters and drug dealers and rappers and, you know, and, and convicts in movies is because that's all they aspire to be. And it set me off. It set me off to the point where my manager even had to come out, you know, of his little office because he's seen how wild, you know, how, how much I was like upset about it. And I simply had the same argument then as I do now. You know, black people don't aspire to be drug dealers and, and rappers and gangsters. We don't aspire to be like that. Some do, but as a culture, that's not what we're about. You know, it's an easy route, but America itself, society itself has made it where that's the easy route for us. That's the easy route to want to be a rapper. It's the easy route to go out and sell some drugs. It's the easy route to do stuff like that because everything else has become so hard for us. As a child, I aspired to be a cop. I wanted to be a, a, a lawman. I wanted to be something, you know, of, of prestige. And I didn't want to be a rapper until I was like in high school when I realized like, hey, I'm probably not going to become a doctor. I'm probably not going to become a lawyer. I'm probably not going to become something like that. And that's that's not blaming society on my, on my lack of motivation. But when you look at what's represented on television, black people and black children didn't have something to look up to in, in a positive light. Very few roles on television of prestige went to black actors and black actresses. So when they say that that's all we aspire to be, no, that's all that media was depicting us to be. It was putting that in our heads. It was telling us this is what we could be. These are your choices. And I applaud the ones who went out and became doctors, became nurses, became lawyers. I applaud that. I'm thankful for that. You guys did it. You guys broke the mode. But that conversation with that individual, it frustrated me because it, when I told her, I'm like, Black Panther is a beautiful movie simply because it shows black royalty. It shows black kings, black queens, black priests running around, walking around in a successful society, an all black society that has no issues. It has you know, medicines. It has new technologies. It's a, it's a new level of society. And it was all black. It was beautiful. And then the thing that I loved about it, although it was all black, it wasn't anti any other race. It wasn't anti any other religion. It was simply just showing black excellence, showing that black people are surviving and thriving. I know it's a fictional world. I'm aware Wakanda is not a real place, but there's just a depiction. You know, I have a black son. I have a black daughter. They're going to grow up and they're going to watch Black Panther. They're going to see this new wave of film and movies where black people are the leads and they're successful and they can strive to be something more than just the gangster mentality. 
they don't my daughter doesn't have to grow up and think okay i can only get by by selling my body i can only get by by being beautiful no she can survive by being smart she can survive by being talented my son is going to know that he doesn't have to be an athlete to survive he doesn't have to just be you know a, a, a run a 4 240 or have a have a decent jump shot he can be a scholar and survive that there's not limitations put on them simply because they're black children in america that they are simply children in america who will exceed even though america is against them and that's why it's it's beautiful for this day and age black creators black artists black politicians black leaders you know it, it's 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 amazing because now my child my children, my son, my daughter, your children, your son, your daughters can look on television and see something and aspire to be like it. They can see a doctor on television, a black doctor, a doctor that looks just like them, a doctor that has their skin tone, a doctor that has their hair texture, a doctor that has their facial features, a lawyer that walks like them. Oh man, it's, it's beautiful. A politician that grew up in the same type of neighborhood they grew up on. So instead of, a, instead of striving to be, you know, what society wants us to strive to be, see, that's the thing. I believe, and this is my own personal opinion, I, I firmly believe the people who control the media and control the top percenters of, of the country want the black youth to be focused on such a narrow dream, like being a rapper, being a gangster, moving drugs, moving this, moving that, being an athlete. They want you to focus on just those limitations because they know if we come together, and if we can really operate and we can push ourselves and we can influence one another to be lawyers, to be business owners, to be bank owners, to be property owners and, and, and real estate moguls. If we can move and motivate each other to do that, we can flip flop their industry. So the best way to do that is to control the media, to project what they want us to be on television. So that's what they strive to be. That's what I strive to be. That's what other kids strive to be because that's what we saw on TV. But I firmly believe this is the generation. This is the time that black creative people are going to lead a revolution, a peaceful revolution to inspire a new generation of leaders in America. And I love it because honestly, at the end of this day, at the end of the day, the very end of the day, all it's about is giving everyone an opportunity, giving everybody an equal chance. One thing that, that really you know hurts the black community is we don't handle wealth as well as other races handle wealth. We can't set each other up for the future, for setting something up for our children so they can be financially stable. We don't do that well enough on a wide scale. Instead, when we're behind on the rent, we just put it in our baby's name. When we're behind on the light bill, we're gonna put it in our daughter's name. So now we have black children eight, nine, 10 years old with bad credit because the parents are making bad financial decisions. But I've seen the other side of that where in white families, they're getting credit cards for their children at young ages. And they're making sure that whenever their children are 18, 19, 20 years old, getting out of college, getting out of high school, ready to go and be an adult, they already have a 700 credit score, a 750 credit score. They already have property in their names. They have vehicles. They're setting them up for success. So that generational wealth that's passed down from their grandfather to them and they're passing it down to their children, it's set up because they're making financial decisions. We as black people need to make better financial decisions with that. Now some are doing it, some are doing fantastic. I applaud you, I applaud you, I applaud you, I salute you, I thank you for it. But we have to do better globally as a nation, as a black nation, we need to do better. So moving on. 
let's get a little more lighthearted. So I want to know if anyone believes in ghosts. You know, if you ever have any uh, questions or any comments on the podcast, you can definitely reach out to me on Twitter or you can submit it directly to redherringpodcast at gmail.com. But I figure we've had a pretty serious talk in the first 15 minutes of this podcast. So I figured I'd get a little more lighthearted. So I want to talk about some ghosts, man. I'm a big advocate on believing in ghosts, spirits. I believe demons are real. Uh, again, I'm a man of faith, um, but that doesn't like keep me thinking inside of a box. You know what I mean? Like I'm very open to things that I can't physically see because I know there has to be more there. Now, I know, you know, there's probably going to be some Christians to be, oh, well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I get that. Completely do. I understand it. Not debating your theology on that. What I'm saying is I do think there are spirits and energies that exist in this world on a plane that we physically can't access, but they can still interact with us. Um, as a child, I've always felt this way. I lived on a, um, in this trailer growing up, you know, we lived on a five acre farm and uh, constantly that I always feel like I was being watched, you know, constantly, all the time. And, you know, I don't know if anyone else does this, but like when someone's watching you or looking at you, you just know it. You just you happen to look over your shoulder and you make that eye contact with someone who's like 50 yards away, who just happens to be staring at you. But it's like that feeling all the time. Like I know somebody's looking, right? So there's been plenty of opportunities and, you know, I'll, I'll recant a couple. There was once when I used to work for this automotive company. I won't say its name unless you want to you know, be a sponsor. Um, but until then, I worked at this said automotive company and uh, I used to go in at 545 in the morning, get off at 245 in the afternoon. And um, for a couple months, I was, you know, doing buffing, moving cars. So I was sweaty. I was oily. You know, I had all this like buffing powder and cream all over me. You know, I, I was a, you know, a man's man. You know, I was, I was dirty. I worked in a shop. So, you know, I come home, you know, it's early. Um, at this time, I, I stayed with my grandfather at the, at the time. And uh, what, uh, what he was doing was a truck driver. You know, he uh, drove trucks. And um, so I was, uh, I'd come home and it's by myself. No one was home. And I decided to take me a bath. I'm like, you know, I'm filthy. I feel like scum. I'm finna lay in this tub, some hot water. I'm finna relax. You know, I turned the lights off. You know, I was, I was chilling. You know, chilling. And then all of a sudden, I heard footsteps going up and down the hallway, like pacing in front of the bathroom door. It was like five steps, and then another five steps. Then I heard my grandfather's door open from across the hall. So I figured, all right, the old man's home. Then his door closed. And I heard the footsteps bounce back up and down the hallway, and then I didn't hear him anymore. So I was like, man, what, what the heck is this man doing? So I decided to call him. You know, I grabbed my phone off the counter or whatever, and I call him. I'm like, hey, um, you know, what are, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you know, I'm on my way back home right now. I'm in the truck. And I'm like, wait, you're not home right now? And he's like, no, of course not. You know, I'll be home in like 30 minutes. So instantly I froze because I'm like, all right, so someone broke into my house, right? So, you know, I'm checking, you know, I get out, dry off, hurry up and get dressed real quick. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid of confrontation, but, you know, I was a little nervous because I'm like, somebody's in my house and I don't know what they got, who they are, what they want. So, you know, I'm creeping around. Both my front doors are locked, dead bolted. The windows are, you know, shut. No one was in my house. And again, it's five acres. You know, I didn't have neighbors. It's woods all the way around, but I have dogs. I had like three dogs. No one barked. There was no issue. So somebody was in the house. Did I see something? No, but something was in that house. I've had other incidents where, you know, I felt so much pressure as if something was watching me when I was younger. And my mom was a teacher and my stepfather, he worked for like some construction company. So there was long periods of time when I would get out of school and I'd be home alone. 
And at this time, we lived deep in the woods. Um, I wasn't living on the farm with my granddad. I was living, you know, with my mom. And we was deep in these woods in, in my city. And I had no neighbors, maybe one across the street, but no one next to my house. It was an old house, old wooden house. I never felt comfortable in this house by myself. Even if somebody was outside, like if we had like a family function outside, I hated being in the house alone. It's just, it's something about that house that never sat right with me. So this night in particular, it's like daylight saving. So it's getting dark at like 6.15, it's pitch black outside. My mom was a teacher, but she also did the after school program. I had a little brother, but he went to her school. So I was by myself until they came home. So this night, I'm sitting on the couch, and the way our living room was set up, we had a long couch against the main wall facing the television. We had another smaller couch with its back towards the kitchen, but it was running basically parallel with the hallway. And the hallway had all the bedrooms in it. There was no lights in the hallway, uh, no, no windows. We had a light, but you know, of course, it's not on right now. Um, but we had, you know, that's where all the rooms were. So there's no sunlight coming into this hallway. So it's like pitch black darkness. And for some reason, I'm sitting on the couch that's parallel to the hallway. And I just feel, it's an old wooden house, so you can like hear when people walk. You can hear the footsteps, you know, like someone's, you know, creeping up the hallway. And I felt it, man, even talking about it right now, man, the hairs on my arm are standing up. And I, I felt like somebody was walking towards me. I felt like there was somebody in the hallway just beyond where the darkness was, just beyond what I couldn't see. And I heard the wood crackling, and I'm like, somebody is there. So I kept looking through the corners of my eyes, kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. And the more I looked and the more I sat there, I had this utter feeling of dread as if if I did not get out of that house right then and there, something was gonna happen to me. So as calmly as I possibly could, I had this thought that if whatever's there knew I was about to get up and run out the house, it was gonna snatch me. So I stood up calmly, I act like I was gonna go to the kitchen saying, man, I'm really thirsty, thinking, okay, I'm gonna psych this thing out. And I stood up, act like I was going to the kitchen, did a 180 and booked it out the front door. And I sat outside under the light from our porch for like 10 minutes, waiting for my mom to get home. As soon as my mom got home, I hugged her. I was like teary eyed, was freaking out, went inside, nothing was there. But to this day, I have never felt that uncomfortable in my life than I did in that moment. I'm telling you, something was there. Whether it was going to harm me or not, I felt it. I felt the pressure as if something was about to hurt me. And it's just, man, to this day, like I said, I've never seen a physical ghost. I've never walked into a room and seen a ghost. I've never, you know, just been sitting here randomly and something just like fall off the counter. But it's always been that presence as if I just feel like something is right there. So I know there's things out there. I know there's ghosts out there. And to think that there isn't, I believe, is just ignorant. Um, not calling you stupid, not calling you slow. I'm just saying to, for you to sit there and say with a 100% without a shadow of doubt to say, no, ghosts aren't real, I believe it's just ignorant. Meaning that we don't have all the facts to really come to a definite conclusion. I know what I felt, I know what others have felt. I watch videos all day long and I see some pretty unexplainable junk, man, I'm telling you. Like, I believe in aliens, too, and I believe in a, a lot of junk. Like, I don't, I don't believe in, like, mermaids and junk like that, but the ocean is so deep and so unexplored that, like, if somebody told me that, hey, I've seen mermaids, and I don't have any evidence that mermaids don't exist, I'm going to listen to them because it's, there's so much out there. There's so much out there that there's no way we can know everything. You know, that goes with everything. You know, space is so vast. When you look at things into perspective, right, 
Earth is like this little bitty freckle, not even a freckle. It's like a like our universe isn't even a freckle. Our universe is like an atom inside of a freckle. It's so small compared to like what is all out there. You know what I mean? And to say that, like I hear people all the time, aliens can exist. There's no way if we would if aliens would have existed, we would have already seen them. No, listen, I'm telling you, man. There is there was a lot out there than more than just Earth, more than just you know this celestial neighborhood. There's a lot of junk out there, man. So for someone you know to say that aliens don't exist, ghosts don't exist, you know monsters in the deep don't exist, we don't know that. We just we don't know that. So I'm I'm not a skeptic. I'll I'll listen. I'll do my research. I'll look into that thing. So if anybody has any ghost stories, any weird unexplained encounters let me know i love listening to it i love reading it i love hearing about it because honestly when you think you know everything someone else presents something and blows your mind away like i'm telling you this thing this is a real story true story real spit 100 i promise to god so help me god all that junk this really happened to me so i'm like eight years old nine years old maybe 10 maybe 11 i was young i was young i hadn't had any chest hair yet i didn't have any chin hair yet no peach fuzz so i had to be young right Bass hasn't came in my voice yet. Things ain't dropped into place yet. I'm young, right? But I know this happened. So in the old house, that creepy house that had that weird presence in the shadow. So maybe it was just where it was. Maybe I was just in a bad spot of reality. But anyway, my bus stop was so far from my house. It was like two or three long streets. It was really like maybe like a 10, 15 minute walk, if that. But as a child, it was like super, super long. So it used to freak me out to walk to my bus stop in the morning because I'm leaving my house, I'm going to my bus stop. It's literally probably like a half mile walk, if if I can be honest. And it's pitch black, sun's not up, I can't see nothing, I'm freaking out. You know, every day going to my bus stop, I hated it. But going to my bus stop in the part of the town that I lived in, it wasn't very developed. There was no street lamps, no street lights, um, barely any traffic came through. So it was like pitch black darkness at my bus stop. The only thing that lit it up was headlights of a random ongoing car or, or passing by a car or the moonlight or the stars outside. That's the only light that I had. I ain't have a phone at the time. Ain't have no, I had a Game Boy, but back then the Game Boys didn't have a built-in light. So like you had to get like an adapter for the light. And we weren't fancy, we were basically poor. So the fact that I even had a Game Boy was like amazing. So there was no light. I had nothing, could not see Jack diddly squat. So I'm at this bus stop, right? Boom, painting the picture, it's dark. It's a chilly night you know, or chilly morning, it's cold. But there was a star in the sky, bright, a bright sucker. And every day for like three or four days, I felt like it kept getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Right. And it just it just it just sat there. There was a star. I thought it was a star. And I was always told and this might be incorrect, but if it is incorrect, blame the Florida school district and their teaching. But I was always told that Venus was the brightest star in the sky. And if you're ever lost, you know, you look for Venus and it's the brightest star in the sky during this solstice, yada, yada, yada. Again, I'm young. So at this point, I'm thinking, all right, this is this, this is Venus It's bright. It's brighter than everything else in the sky. It's Venus. So I'm watching it and I'm, I promise to God, man, I, I wish we had like video cameras back then so I could have just filmed this junk. I swear before God as my witness, this thing exploded in the sky. Like I, it wasn't like an explosion. It wasn't like a loud, it wasn't like fire, but it was bright. 
a bright light. It shined, and for a moment, like a brief moment, it looked like like the middle of the day around where I was. And the thing is, I wasn't the only one there. There was these two other white girls, three white girls. They were like sisters, and they lived a couple streets down. Their mom would drop them off, and they would stay in their car, um, and they would be at the bus stop with me. They, Those three saw it, and the oldest daughter was like in middle school, one was my age and one was like two years younger. They all saw it too. I cannot remember their names. I don't know what happened to them. We all went different. You know, this is like 20 years ago. But they saw it. And I went to school telling everybody, I'm like, Venus exploded. Venus exploded. And I was looking through the newspaper the next day. I was like, I'm telling you, Miss G. That was my second or third grade teacher. I can't remember. I'm like, Miss G, Venus exploded. She's like, Jared, Venus didn't explode. Venus is still there we would have known if the planets exploded. I'm like, I'm telling you, Ms. G, I saw this happen. I explained it a story. She said I was crazy. She said, oh boy, you crazy. But I'm like, no, ma'am. I'm like, this really happened. So I'm investigating, right? I'm doing research. Back then we didn't have Google. We had like Ask Jeeves. So I was like, hey Jeeves, did Venus explode? And Jeeves was like, Venus is this planet and this big. I'm like, dang, this isn't the information I need. So I'm trying to convince everybody that I seen Venus explode. Turns out Venus didn't explode. I was wrong. But something did happen that morning. I don't know what it was in that sky. I don't know if it was a spacecraft. I don't know if it was a satellite. I don't know if it was a meteorite. But it was for three or four days it was there until it wasn't anymore. I never saw it again. I didn't have like any weird encounters or anything. But that morning, what I saw, like I said, I cannot explain it. I do not know what it was. I don't know what happened right then. But it was freaky. I know it happened because I had witnesses. I wish I knew where they were. I wish I could talk to them now. I wish they was here on this podcast to explain what they saw too, but it really happened. So that just goes into what I was saying. There was some stuff out there that is unexplained. Your government knows some things that they won't tell you. I'm telling you, there is some deep, dark stuff going on. Now, if you don't believe in aliens, you don't believe in supernatural stuff, then this part wasn't for you. But if you don't believe in them because you don't think they could exist, all I can say is open up your thinking, broaden your horizons. There's a lot of stuff out there that we don't know. And that goes for any topic on any subject. There's a lot of things that we don't know about, even you know, that, that as an individual that you might know that I might know. You might see something one way and I might see it a different way. That's the beauty about being different because just because you don't know something doesn't mean, or just because you know so much doesn't mean you can't be taught something else. Just because you have a title, just because you have prestige, just because you have success does not mean you can't learn from somebody else. Never get to the point in time where you can't listen and see what you can learn from someone. My goal every single day, every day, my goal every day is to learn something. Whether it's a statistic about a favorite player of mine, whether it's something about space, whether it's a new word, I love to learn something. I love to listen to people's stories because even if I'm not learning a fact, if I can learn something about you, I've learned something today. I like to learn. I like to know that. Knowledge, knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, is the one thing they can never take away from you. You could lose your house tomorrow. Your relationship could fall apart. You could lose a loved one, God forbid. You can lose your health. But I'm telling you, as long as you keep your wisdom and your knowledge, they can never take that from you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. That's the first episode of the Red Herring Podcast. I encourage you to subscribe, to download this podcast, reach out to me with any critiques, anything you loved, anything you hated about the show. Be tuned in for the next episode. I'll try to release these once a week or whenever I can. Um, Again, thank you for taking this journey with me. It's very much appreciated. I love all of you. Peace out. God bless.